I'm June Sarpong and welcome to Championing Women's Voices, a new podcast from NatWest sharing the stories of incredible women and their work. In this series, I'm going to be speaking to guests from all different walks of life, from business to sport, entertainment and activism, to discuss strategies for success, whatever that means, and to learn how we can inspire and support one another. Today, I want to start with the topic of failure, or more specifically, fear of failure. We've all found ourselves in a situation where our inner critics have got the better of us. Perhaps we haven't gone for the job or the promotion we wanted, or we've been scared to start a project, or even say how we feel. So, how do we go about combating this? In the studio today, I am pleased to welcome two incredibly inspiring women, incredibly successful women, and I have to say, incredibly nice women, <laughs> uh, to hear how they've approached this as part of their journey. Uh, with me, we have the award-winning TV presenter and investigative journalist, Stacey Dooley. Hi, Stacey. Hello, June. How are you? I'm good. I'm oh. having a very nice time. <laughs> me too, <laughs> already. my vibe. I'm like <laughs> Exactly. And before we've even started. <laughs> And I'm also joined by the former World Cup winning cricketer, mm-hmm. turned sports executive and pundit, Ebony Rainford Brent. Hello, Ebony. Hello, ladies. I'm buzzing too, by the way. Just yeah. the energy in the room. You guys yeah, are awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's good, Love right? It, yeah. yeah. Mutual love. Mutual Jean, love. I grew up watching you, so it is so surreal that we're sat here having a chat. <laughs> I promise you. I swear. Well, can I say, I'm grown up and I'm watching you. So. <laughs> Yeah, and did was it you, were you Richard Blackwood's era? Yes, you know, I saw Richard Blackwood the other day, and yeah. I honestly, I don't really often get. I felt really started up, <laughs> and I because I had bought his album. Yeah. Oh, really we love you, RB. Check you every day on you know TV. <laughs> I was sort of on Sunday brunch singing to him. I thought this is really uncool. <laughs> so I forgot about his music career. Yeah, I love oh, he had a great I music him. career. But anyway, we're not talking anyway, about anyway, yeah, him. We're talking about you two. Okay, and we're talking talking about a fear of failure, which apparently, I mean, you learn something new every day, is called atikiphobia. Had you heard this? No, I hadn't. I didn't know about that. Neither did I. Um, And this is when we allow fear to stop us from doing things that can move us forward in our lives. So I'll start with um, both of you. Um, Ebony, do you want to go first? What do you think the idea of failure Hmm. is and and why is it not talked about often enough? enough? well, first of all, maybe this is maybe my sports background, but to me, fear of failure is just part of life. Like, mm. I think I think we see it as this big problem that should get in the way. And if you've got this fear of failure, it's an issue. Uh, but I think what, what's what been amazing about sport, every single day I felt it. So just to give you context, right, I played for 18 years, right, most of that international from juniors through. And your goal as a batter was to try and get 100 every day, right? That's the amount of runs you want to get in Nearly 20 years, I maybe did that 20 times, but I went out to bat pretty much day in, day out, all summer. So you get, you get my point. You, you go out to bat every single time, and it, only a handful of times in your career you actually get, get that. Yeah. And each time you come back off, you feel you've disappointed your coach, you've disappointed yourself, you're disappointed, you know, once you start getting higher and it's in the media. But I think what sport does, which is why I think it's such a good grounding for kids to learn it as young as possible is someone around you says, it doesn't matter that you failed, go again. It doesn't matter that you failed, go again. It doesn't matter. And so, like, 
I do loads of stuff around empowerment. I think people think fear is something that you should, oh, it's a bad thing to have. No, actually, fear is one of the most amazing things. Every time I'm about to go and commentate, mm. that fear kicks in. I'll tell you what, I'll go and do my research because mm. I don't want to embarrass myself. I think fear is an amazing, amazing human emotion that we have. Um, I think the key is, one, to see it as part of the journey and mm. embrace it. Um, and then the other thing I would say that if, you know, I know you talk about tangible tips and stuff like that, mm. I think is to move away less so from sort of worrying about the fear and more get down to process. Really mm. enjoy the, the everything you're doing. So in practical elements, when I went out to bat and the fear starts to kick in, your coach or someone around you is just going to say, right, what what's your process? What are you trying to focus on in that moment? And when you start enjoying that, I find that fear starts to dissipate. Mm -hmm. So I would just say embrace it. Love it. Like it's 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 one of the things that's made me push myself if you use it right. But the other side is it holds you back if you get sort of stuck in worrying about mm -hmm. this emotion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Stacey? Yeah, think? I think... I'm probably frightened most of the time at work. <laughs> if I'm in sort of hostile environments, I mean, the stuff, the domestic stuff I do at home is, is much more relaxed and I feel much more in control. But I suppose some of the locations, it's the unpredictability, right? So if I'm in sort of certain areas in Syria or Iraq, Mosul, there are just so many unknowns. Mm. So I feel anxious a lot of the time. But what I've learned to do is I sort of recognise it and then I try and I try and park it. Mm. And actually, I think it makes me a bit more vigilant. And I just, I think I don't get kind of complacent and yes. I don't get lazy and I'm trying my best and I'm trying to be sort of very definite about the sort of line of questioning because I need to get out. I've got 40 minutes. Mm. So You're good at compartmentalising. I think so. Okay. I, try, I, try, I try and do that. Mm. Um I'm fearful a lot, a lot mm. of the time, um, and I, don't, I think you're right. But I don't, saying, I don't, yeah. I don't necessarily think it's a negative emotion. Mm. I think as long as you don't let it overtake what's going on mm. and don't let it dictate mm. how you're going to behave and how you're going to react or respond. Um, it, 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 it is, yeah. I think the self-talk, though, and um, June, I'm sure you've been through it's, it's in that moment when the fear kicks in, yeah. it's what you're saying And you can self. feel it. Oh, my tummy the goes and I get, a, I get a rashy neck. I and I think, Here we go. Start beating up and you start, <laughs> anyone got any tissues? But I think it's what you say to yourself, isn't it? It's like if you're feeling it and then you start telling yourself you're no good, you don't deserve to be here, all that sort of stuff, which we do do, that's the stuff that disempowers you. Whereas when you say something like, look, this is embrace it. Uh, you know, I was taught as well when it was always in my stomach. Mine, that's where yeah. I, is that what you feel? Anxiety, it? yeah. Yeah, it's to tell yourself that mm. means that you're like you're alive. It means mm. you're excited. And you care. And yeah. You care. As well, yeah. you know, there's nothing worse. It's such a privilege to do this for a living. There's nothing worse than walking into a room full of people who are really aloof and nonchalant. Yes. And, oh, I don't really you know, I, I don't get nervous. It's like, well, we all want to do a brilliant job. But we all want to prove ourselves, mm -hmm. you know, feel delighted with what mm. we've been able to produce. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I think, it, yeah. June, you must have had a bit. I'm asking you because I know you're talking to us, but I want to know about you as well. Yeah, because... no, the same as both of you, you know, I think with, and I'm sure it's the same, every time you move to another <laughs> level in your career, that in itself is frightening because it's almost like, can I do this? Even though you know you can do yeah. the job, you know you can, it's still that sort of mental self-negative talk that you have to overcome. So for me, I nicknamed my 
sort of imposter syndrome self. I nicknamed her Agnes. So you know how oh, yeah. Beyonce has Sasha Fierce yeah. as her confident self? I've got Agnes as my insecure self. Yeah. So when I'm in that sort of mode, I'm able to step back, like you say, compartmentalise and say, you know, you're wrong, Agnes. No, I can do this. And so get out the back door, Agnes. Yeah, get out of here. <laughs> Go and have a drink, Agnes. Sort yourself out. You know what someone said to me years ago, and it was such great advice. It was so sad. And they said, nobody would ask you to do something that they didn't think you could do. You couldn't do. Yeah. Because it's not in anyone's interest yeah. to embarrass yeah. you or make you look silly or waste people's time mm. or spend money on a studio that, you know. Yep. Yep. producing material they're never going to use. Yeah. They wouldn't ask you to do it if you couldn't do it. Yeah, mm. it's true. So other people believe in you. Yeah, it's just, just believing in yourself. Yeah, yourself. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love yeah. that. So back to what you were both saying. So for both of you, you embrace failure. And actually, I kind of do too. Why do you think as a society, we're so scared of the idea of failure and we're crippled by it and we we allow it to stop us taking those next steps that need to be taken. Uh, like, I don't know about you guys. I think one of my deepest like desires is to be accepted, but but that gets in the way. Mm. And I think with failure, so you know, say for example, I'm part of a team and I I want to be successful for the team. If I fail, I feel like I've let everybody down, and then I don't feel like I'm going to be accepted. I don't know about everybody else, but for me, it's like a it's an acceptance thing. But then you realise as you get older, if you don't try and you don't put in your best, you're not going to help anyone out. So I think I think the reason why we fear it is sometimes fitting in. Sometimes we want to, you know, impress other people, all those sort of things. I think a lot of the fear for me anyway is actually external. And it's kind of as you get older, you realise you have to kind of have a strong core first and then the rest can happen. So I don't know. I think I think that's why we fear it so much. I think it's a very human emotion. And I think there's other real scenarios. I mean, fear in your scenarios. It's I think, life I think, or death, Stacey. I think I was going to say, I feel it where you are. I mean, you put any of us out there. Yeah, your fear is kind of <laughs> legit. <laughs> like, hello. Half an hour to live. You must Brilliant. have had it. Have you had any sketchy kind of Yeah, I can't tell you. There have, yeah, there have been a handful of times where I've thought... This could all really, really kick really? off. Yeah, like I was on what? the front line in Iraq, actually, with the most remarkable women, the Yazidi girls. Mm. I was making a documentary about them. Mm. And essentially they'd sort of, you know, been through a really hellish time in 2014. Like ISIS approached their home and, you know, sort of systematically raped the women and, and massacred the men. It, you know, just... But they were such warriors and like complete troopers mm. and they had escaped and um, sort of familiarised themselves with firearms and mm. sort of made it their business to go back to the front line and hold these perpetrators mm. accountable. Like, just so wicked. Good yeah, on yeah, yeah. Amazing girls. We were on the front line. and um, How many of you were there? There were probably about 15 girls, mm. 15 of the Yazidi girls, and me, my director, Al Medina, who's a total sweetheart, my Spanish sister. And I think we had one more with us. Mm. We sort of all, you know, got our gear on and mm. sort of bulletproof vest, etc. As and you do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I walk around Can with I just say, Stacey, I have never even seen a bulletproof vest, let really alone wear one. It's like one stone <laughs> on the front and one stone on the back. No. You're sweating like you That's wouldn't believe. Mad. Yeah, yeah. But it all, it all sort of started kicking off. You could hear Did the shelling. Did they have guns? And, yeah, yeah. But ISIS, I could sit. They were sort of less than a kilometre away and they'd just dropped a mortar. So it had been really live the entire morning. And I just remember thinking, like, this, you know, if they start attacking now, I'm 
I'm I'm in I'm I'm here. So a question for you, right? Because um, I I find like so fear is a scale, and I think in our nice cushy at the moment, you know, maybe most people listening to podcasts are living in quite a Hmm. you know we're we're doing all right in yeah yeah, Yeah. really lucky yeah. But do you think actually pushing your boundaries? So those women who you know they're at the very edge, but you find a kind of a resilience or a natural human way to. So when when fear actually is there, like those women are able to handle that totally. And that's the thing. I was always saying to the mm. girls, I do not know how you've come out the other end. Mm. I could not, you know, I, I couldn't do what you do. And they say, everyone thinks that until you're forced to do mm. it. You know, it's circumstantial. It's mm. like they came to us and we had to respond. Um, and women are just so bloody brilliant at mm. that. Like yeah, we are. We have to be. Yeah, yeah. Historically, you know, we've been persecuted against. Whatever culture you're in. Standards, yeah. yeah. I remember I did a film about um, some girls from Ecuador and Honduras trying to cross the border to get into the States illegally. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like we all would. Yeah. We were trying to better our family. And I remember, and the men were having a rough time too. And they, you know, some men were trying to come across. But I remember distinct. I remember the girls having to have had the injection, the contraceptive injection, because it just was just a case. given that yeah. they were going to get raped along <gasps> the way oh, by the coyotes. Oh, wow. So, of course, the men and women are up against it, but the women that bit yeah. more because... The physical... Yeah, you know, because and I just, of that physical threat. I love women. I love, you know, I love... There's men that I love, but women, I just... I love women. I have such... I agree with yeah. you. But it's, I mean, that's in itself sounds like, a, you know, people dealing with the, the fear of failure. It's to remind yourself how... Mm. Not just yourself, but like the community of people you come from how resilient they have yeah. been and yeah that is, sisterhood's it, so important it's there sisterhood and knowing everybody's story yeah so if i go into your stories um i'll, I'll start with you stacy mm-hmm. I, I think you know we were talking um off mic <laughs> <laughs> off mic um and you were telling me um about how you started yeah and i think what would be really good to get across particularly when we're talking about fear and we're talking about failure is is how you overcome low self-esteem in the sense of being somewhere where traditionally you've been told you don't belong. Totally. What is that process? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if we're talking about social mobility and raising people up, there's a mental thing that needs to happen within every one of us that doesn't come from a privileged background. And what is that? My career is a good example of this, actually. Mm. You know, I'm from Luton, left school at 15, didn't go college, didn't go uni, was waitressing for a crazy man with loads of beautiful daughters <laughs> as you do <laughs> I was on like three pounds an hour or something then I went to Luton Airport and then yeah blood sweat and t-shirts the sort of opportunity presented itself and the premise was really straightforward it was looking for yeah sort of six youngsters from the UK who were really into fast consumerism and fast fashion um so I got right down to the last few went to India did the mm. series and then, yeah, the guy who was in charge at the time sort of called me into the office. And I was only ever meant to be a contributor. It was only mm. ever meant to be a one-off. And he said, you know, I found you sort of quite inquisitive. And I sort of liked that you weren't afraid to ask very sort of simple, straightforward questions. How do you feel about maybe trying to present your own series? And I, you know, <laughs> and I remember saying to him, like, let me see if I can get my shift covered at the airport. Like, <laughs> I would love to. I would love to. And I, and then And then I remember thinking... I'm not a presenter. I haven't studied journalism. I don't know anything about current affairs. This is not my world. Mm. And I remember him saying to me, Stacey, it's really important 
that you don't try and mimic traditional journos. That's not what we want yeah, you for. Yeah, because there's thousands of them. Yeah. Brilliant journalists, yeah. totally capable, really yeah. competent. But if that's what we wanted, we wouldn't be coming to you. Yeah. So don't feel like you've got to conform. That's the best thing he ever said to me because I thought I've just got to do me here and mm. if it works, it works and if it doesn't, that's cool. If it doesn't, I've still got my shift. Listen, <laughs> it's, true. it's true. I've still got my airside pass. Mate. I can do Luton my shift and I can come. easily get you this <laughs> My girls are still there. I love my tech, so I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you just you have to be courageous and you have to be brave and you have to be willing to look stupid because I've looked stupid so many times. I've made mistakes. I've done things I would have done completely differently looking now. Uh, but hindsight's a great thing and you've got to live, Matt. It's so cheesy, but you're here once. Like, you've got mm. to do it. Mm, you do. You don't want to get old and think, oh, I should have done that. I should have. And then how do you navigate those spaces in terms of being in an environment that's mainly male-dominated mm. and particularly, you know, upper-middle-class yeah. as well. So I feel much comfier now. Yeah. You know, I've been doing it for what my start when I was 20. I'm 33 in March, so I've been doing it for over 10 years. Mm. I feel like I have, you know, the right yeah. to be there. But first couple of years, oh, riddled with self-doubt and anxiety and total complete imposter syndrome yeah and I'd walk in and it would be very... Did anyone dominated. make you feel that way? Yeah. yeah. I think particularly... I they wouldn't do it now because I've got a bit of a platform yeah. and I'd probably say who it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Having said that, no, you know what? I did a, a few years ago, I did, a, maybe not even a few years, two years ago, mm. I did a a radio um, interview for uh, a very kind of highbrow station and um, they were asking me about, you know, what had gone on in Syria and they'd asked me to sort of write an authored piece and... I went in, I remember putting the ears on, I remember the producer, and it wouldn't have been her fault, you know, it's coming from above, but I remember the producer saying to me, as much as you can bear, sort of please don't drop your T's and sort of what? be mindful oh, of... Oh, wow. What? Yeah, oh, you know, can, can you kind of talk as posh as possible, really? <laughs> and they were like, you know, we're not pandering to prejudices, but you know we'll get complaints. Da, 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 da. I'm like, you're completely pandering exactly. to prejudices. And there's completely. a lot of people who are like, why are you going to try and... Yeah, like... And also, <laughs> isn't the point that they want more people right. to the station? Yeah. Right. I mean, what? So, you know, there is still a bit of that that yeah. goes on. But um, but as not, you, not, not so but because you have a name now, it's less so. Uh, yeah, and I also think if someone were to say to me, you know, the kind of odd sly remark, I'd pull them up on it. Mm. Well, I wouldn't have done that when I you was You have younger. the confidence. Yeah. Ebony, uh, we were talking about your story too. And again, another uh, just impressive inspirational journey so, and I think it's always good to hear the beginning because often we see mm. the finished product yeah. and we think oh they're this and they're that but actually I mm. think people need to know that journey so can, can you tell us a bit about the beginning Yeah, definitely. and then I really want to talk to you about your process and, yeah. and just how you mentally prepare yourself definitely um, one thing I would say by the way that feeling of belonging and imposter mm. I would say I've only just got I'm 35 now and I've only just Look got a bit of it in the young last year people. and a half you young yeah, people in the studio I'm trying to get a plug of you grays here and there out. That's what I'm talking about now. Um, but my journey, look, I I don't know if you call it luck, if you call it, I don't know, serendipity, I don't know, but I was very lucky. I'd always loved sport. I had three older brothers um, growing up. I was the youngest. So it was like football, football, football at home. 
Um, but that was a kind of, for a very sort of, we were sort of from West Indian background. My mum came over in the 50s. So we were very sort of, I don't know, you're working class every day, kind of. We grew up Herne Hill, Brixton Way, and it was all kind of like that. And I remember someone came into my primary school and said, we're going to offer cricket. And I, I don't know about you, but I was like, what? Like, I had these visions of a game where there was just older white men stood in mm. white clothes <laughs> in the fields and they would drink tea and I'd just be like, why do I want to play that? Like everyone I know is playing football and kicking around in the park. Anyway, long story short, uh, my teacher eventually convinced me, look, please give it a go, um, just hit a ball. I didn't realise there was kind of a, a bit of a talent scouting mission going on. So I hit one ball and loved it. I was just like, I don't know about you guys, but I love stress relief. I play the drums just to bang things. Hitting a ball as hard as you can is just like the best feeling. Really? Yeah, look, oh. I'll take you down. Let's go to the net. <laughs> Yeah. Me, if you ever got stressed, let's yeah, go. Okay. Um, and I remember that first time I connected with it, I was just, I was hooked. That was it. It was trying something new that I didn't think would yeah. I would like. And I, I I loved it. And luckily I turned out to be good. I got kind of plucked um, straight away really and put into a junior Surrey program. So the overall cricket ground wasn't too far. Um, now, in some ways it was good and in some ways it was bad because I love the opportunity to kind of push your potential at something you're good at. But I struggled constantly I grew up in quite a diverse environment um, as did you know, I yeah, yeah like everybody along your street was yeah, you did yeah, yeah, you yeah. Most rude, and everyone yeah. along your street is different cultures different and everything it was just the norm yeah. yeah and then we're really lucky actually we're with so that. lucky to There's have had that parts I go to in England I'm like I don't reckon <laughs> it's that parallel universe yeah <laughs> we're so <laughs> lucky yeah, to have had that yeah. but then I kind of moved into so I was the first uh, uh, black woman ever to play for England I know yeah, yeah. which is crazy but it, so, but and you then captain as well well, yeah, Captain yeah. Sorry and stuff like that. But I was the first going into from sort of your South London, South London, very multicultural into a very wealthy middle white. class to upper class world. I so that feeling of not belonging yeah. just kind of plagued me for my whole life. And again, did anyone make you oh, feel that constantly, way? Oh, constantly, yeah. Okay. Uh, comments about hair I mean when you're getting asked do you wash while your skin's brown like oh from young goodness. through to when you're an adult really yeah stuff around you know so I've had did I've that had my motivate you to perform mm, better no, it eroded my confidence if I'm honest okay. I really? think yeah I would love to say um, you know I wanted to prove them right. I didn't have that I was the sort of person that secretly I don't think anyone would know outwardly I but just kind of chip you, it no, on you seem so confident but I think it, it just you you always say I had that don't belong don't belong don't belong I'm going to get found out um, at some stage this is going to end mm. um, that moved into my media career so when I got to work with Beeb and Sky and stuff like you sit on air thinking oh my god someone's going to pull me off at any moment now like I don't belong and, here and weren't you the first woman yeah. to commentate on the men's sports? yeah so one of the first First female, so me and Isha Guru. This should so be normal. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about you. I just, I don't know. Again, so, did you feel like an imposter there? Yeah, and then moved into the boardroom and the same. So I would say I've only cracked that feeling in the last couple of years, but it took work yeah. for me. So I remember yeah. when we did a, a program a little while, I was saying I invest, I had to invest in like coaching, so a mixture of therapy, NLP, all oh, these so different... Oh, so you do all of them. Oh, yeah, because I had to. Thing. I don't actually No, but know. I was just saying to you when yeah. we did the recording that I just think... If you can't, this is the one thing I would say. If you are plagued by these things, yeah. don't just let it tip on as a part of your life. No. Like, go and invest in like Help. dealing with it. Yeah, yeah, whether it's coaching or some people have good inspirational people around them. Yeah, decent mentors. Uh, decent mentors, yeah. whatever you need. But you, if you need, if you, if you, if someone's listening to this right now and either has a like a fear of failing, mm. or they don't feel like they belong when they're actually achieving stuff, 
go and chat to somebody and speak to someone and get motivated, like yes. get someone to work it through. And yeah. I, like, I feel like I'm free. Like I feel like I'm, you know, I now can go and do you've something. had that support. Yeah. Now. You know, I think that's such an important point, Ebony, because, you know, if we want to get fit, you would go and get a personal trainer. Or, yeah, yeah, you invest. If you want to start a new sport that you don't know how to play, you're not just going to try and do yeah, it yourself. Yeah, you get a coach you're or gonna, Precisely. Yeah. So why would we think this is different when it comes to the mind? Exactly. And it's Actually, mostly the most yeah. important thing that drives everything. So like, the, I, I'm a massive advocate of coaching or mentoring. So life support, coaching. Support, whatever, coaching, yeah. It doesn't okay. always... You need to find the right person. But if you're not moving mentally, go and see someone who will just mm-hmm. get you get you on track. And, you know, now, like, you know, the more and more we're exposed and the more and more you do more media and stuff like that, I feel in my own skin, I feel like I can put Good. people in the place now, which I wouldn't have. So, yeah, yeah it does make such a difference investing in yourself. I really but, admire, like, sports stars and, too. like, people that have competed their whole lives because it's no joke. It's like, no joke. I... I did Strictly, like the dance You were so good on oh that. God, we loved you on Strictly. But I only did it for like three before, months. No, no, no. Like, you know, in like school plays and stuff. But, <laughs> but then you're a natural. Well, I don't know. I got four on week two. That was so embarrassing. That's what I'm saying. Like, I only had that tiny, tiny, incy-wincy sort of experience of what your life must have been like for like mm. three or four months. Because mm. you're training. Well, how many hours a day did you train for that? Like 12 hours. Oh, that's quite hard. Yeah. I was like an athlete. I had muscle. Every time I walked out the bar. Like, Hello. Great. Hey, me. But that idea of constantly being judged mm. on your performance mm. and... It's it's I and really feeling admire. like you let people down if you don't. Yeah. 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 Sports stars, it's yeah. yeah. It's, tough. It's, it's a tough world. I'm you know, like I say, every time you walk off the field and like every year you're playing 60, 70 games and you, you could walk off mm. and feel like you failed your mm. team in fifty five of those. And then you and then you might have coaches as well. You know, you've got nice coaches, but you've also got those who will drill down and like uh. erode you as well. So yeah, it's all about kind of resilience, isn't yeah. it? I think yeah. that's the thing. Well, you've come on to the thing I wanted to talk about next. I'm loving this, <laughs> which is resilience. Mm. So uh, the research conducted by Nat West found that two thirds, uh, 60% of women have considered starting a business, but due to factors such as lack of confidence or thinking they're not the right person to start a business or feeling they just don't deserve to, despite their skills mm. and ability, mm. they don't. And so I think what I'd love to hear from both of you is one, what does it feel like to take that first uncomfortable mm. step? And then two, when you fail, how do you pick yourself back up? Mm-hmm. So who wants to go first? Either of you? Either. We're both, you looking. We're both looking. Okay. Um, so the first question was, uh, what does it feel to take that first uncomfortable yeah. step? Do you know when I would give you an example? And this is maybe a, a, um, a slightly different example. But mm. I had injured my back and I was out for three years from the game. I was told. Wow. I, yeah. Like I couldn't properly walk for a year. Like walk with a drag of my leg um, lost all funding so it was like well, you know, I fell into massive depression I was eating so much cake so much cake angel cake, cake angel cake I, man. Like oh, man. <laughs> I, I blew up like <laughs> exactly and I watched Holmes <laughs> Under the Cat Hammer and 8K and I put on loads of weight I'm serious I got I got deep man I went yeah. into that dark place yeah, yeah. my poor boyfriend I mean God, yeah, he was Bless living him. with him anyway yeah. um, <laughs> I hope he was going out to get the cake <laughs> yeah he, well, he was he was feeding I think he might more. have been a feeder <laughs> maybe that's why we didn't last anyway um um, so it was like, you know, like, so I thought, you know, my career's over, whatever. I got my brother, my older brother um, gave me a bit of a, not a motivational talk in terms of sort of, I love you, but a kind of kick up a backside kind mm. of, do you know what, are you going to kind of waste, out. yeah, sort yourself yeah. out, you're going to waste your potential, is this what you're going to do? And to me, I w- I'd just given up on everything, I had to leave university, I was oh, just in a bad place. God, I'm so sorry. Um, 
a couple of things happened. So one, my brothers kick up the backside, and two, my mom like gave me. I don't know if you've heard a guy called Tony Robbins. But I love all yeah, of that. Yeah, all of that. I saw some work by him, and it was. Um, he pretty much said, "Set your goal. Set set something like almost unbelievable that if you achieve it, it can happen." And from, bearing in mind, I'd been out for a year. Like you know, I was just I, I wrote down two goals. Was one, I want to come back and play for full England. I wanted to be part of the World Cup. And two, I wanted to come back and get a master's in chemistry. And mm. I have to be honest with you, I I've not got a master's in chemistry. No, I don't, don't worry. Have I. Yeah, I don't even know how. Or why <laughs> I don't I've even got know it. how you start. <laughs> <laughs> so I was already at, yeah, I'd already started. Sorry, I don't know. I don't know. But I'm, as you do. <laughs> Actually, do just knock them out. But what I would say is, I I pushed, I wrote it and put it up on the wall and just stared at it. I would say two, three weeks, like nothing. But you just kind of looking at, just looking at it, and then you start to ponder, and then you start pondering possibility, and you think, God, what if? Like that's the most exciting thing for me is like a what if question. What if I was able to get back and. What if, you know, I was able to go to uni and finish that? And what if, you know, and, and all of a sudden, like, you start to get inspired. And I, I would say the first step for anybody, whether it's you want to start a business, rather than thinking, what if you can't? It's like the what if. And look, it took me five years to to get through that process. And those, both of those things came out. But I think the... The inspirational message is the the what if what wow. what if that business works rather than what if it doesn't what if you know I could have that family and the career that I want what if so I, I'd say that wherever you, write goals like I don't not everybody wants to I don't think we need to be too specific but something that will inspire you enough and like that that enough got me out of bed got me out of depression got me like onto an amazing path but. Um, it's the what if question that works the for what me. if question yeah. and that is what propelled you to take that. Um, or, which was the next yeah. phase of that first uncomfortable yeah, yeah. self-belief is so important it isn't is. it? it it really is. is and again like such a cliche super cheesy but if you don't rate yourself or if you don't like yourself or mm. think you're capable mm. you know nobody else so many people are out there willing you to fail mm. <laughs> it's true yeah <laughs> you yeah, don't yeah, need yeah. to be on their team no. they'll jump on the back yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> you don't yeah. you don't so what about for you, Stacey, that first uncomfortable step? Because even oh. going into Danny Cohen's office or yeah. whatever, and when he said, I want to give you a show, actually saying, okay, I'll do it. That is totally. the first uncomfortable step. I think you always have to take opportunities, even if they feel really unachievable and you think, I don't know if I've got this in me. Because like I said earlier, they wouldn't ask you if you couldn't do it. Mm. So I've always said yes to things, even if I've thought, oh, God, I don't know if that's totally in my comfort zone. Mm. I did that at the start of my career, saying yes to making a documentary for the BBC. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I'd left school at 15 and had no qualifications whatsoever. Um, but then I suppose, yeah, throughout throughout the years, I've said yes to things. Like if you just said to me, oh, you're going to make a documentary about... Um, the Islamic State, West African province mm. in the northeast of Nigeria. Yeah. I'd have been like, gone, what yeah. the? What? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, I think it was, it was this year, a few months ago, I went to Syria to make my first panorama. Mm. And then I went to, and you know, that that kind of ground is typically exclusive for, you know, people like Ola Gurren, who mm. is magnificent. Mm. And, you know, kind of. Yeah, elusive. Yeah. Yeah. Those, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's a particular type of journey. Totally. Yeah. And then I came back and I had a week at home and then I went to the northeast of Nigeria where like it's the birthplace of Boko Haram mm. and I was staying in the UN compound and it was just so unpredictable and I was meeting 
the most amazing families who had lived through complete turmoil. And, I, you know, if you'd have said you would have had the courage to go to those mm. places, I'd have been like, no chance. Mm. So, yeah, you, you just always say yes. You, you have to give everything a try. And sometimes it will work and sometimes it won't. But how will you know unless you mm. kind of Unless you try. There? Yeah. And then what about resilience? What about bouncing back? What does that look like? Yeah, I think we kind of alluded to it earlier. I think we are, as humans, naturally resilient. And it's kind of like each experience makes you find out how resilient mm. you are. Mm. Um, and I think we need to remind ourselves of that quite often. It's, like, it's already there. It's kind of uncovering it and understanding how it, it works in all of us. I do think we all are. I think that's mm. why we sometimes need to test ourselves. Oh. Uh, just to really kind of pull it out. I mean, that's a good point, actually. At, at, I mean, yes and no. We, when I was in, um, I was in the academy at Surrey. So I was like the only woman on this male academy. A lot of these players have gone on to the male to play. I remember this guy, our academy director Gareth, took us to Devon to do this. Kind of, I don't know, like outdoor adventure thing, like chuck you in freezing water and then oh. you have to climb. You, like when I say to you, this is the I was seal like, training. Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> what are you doing, mate? I just want to hit a ball. Mm. And I, I part hated him for putting me through it. But then on the other side, I remember thinking, well, if I got through that, uh -uh. I can get through anything else. Yeah. So I do think sometimes. We, we need to just test ourselves. I'm not saying put yourself through SEAL training. Um, but it, it does actually, when you get over something, you deal with it, you think, oh, I've, I've got more in the tank. Mm. So I think we all have it. I just think we have to reveal it. Yeah. yeah. People, you know, people shine when they're given a chance. And that's why it's so important that those chances aren't exclusively offered to a certain part of society. society I agree. You know, mm. that's why, you know, our poorer kids you know our Asian kids our mm. black kids our mm. kids that are often not prioritised who aren't yeah. in private school mm. are, you know let them yeah, try too yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah I agree and look what happens when yeah. they do I think all There's our so much stories yeah. show us what happens when yeah. they do yeah. right yeah massively I'm yeah. a social mobility champion but I think yeah. that's right it's like opportunity Believe someone believing himself and others believing in them, and like you kind of mix all of that together, and you you get some success. Really. Yeah. So speaking of others believing in them oh, or man. believing in you, uh, mentorship. Who have been your mentors? Do you I've still had, have yeah. them, and do you think you still need them? I definitely, definitely do. Mm. I mean, it's not um, completely, but there are certain people in my life that I feel I could pick up the phone at silly o'clock okay. and say, "Do you know what? I did this, or I've got this coming up, and I'm not sure if I played that right, or what do you reckon? How would you approach this?" Yeah, they're just c complete angels. I mean, I suppose my first mentor professionally was probably Danny Cohen. Wonderful. Just this. Danny you know, Cohen is somebody guy. we've both worked with. Many times over the years, and he's a real champion of yeah, diverse talent. He really, he really is. is. He really, really is. He's an, he's just such a sweetheart, and he's so bright, and he's so capable. And you know, he was in charge of the Beeb, and da 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 da. But he just takes a chance, and if he thinks you've got something different to say or something to offer, he'll give you that leg up. So he was really important for a long time. And then I met directors, and I was thinking, I really love how you have treated that person mm. or I, I love the approach you took in that instance or that didn't work mm. um, so there's certain people that I ring up if I'm on location and we've been working for 16 hours and we've got no sequence I'm like mm. oh how am I going to tell the commissioner like I've got to fly back in three days and we haven't Nothing got here. like <laughs> there's no story 
Um, do you produce your stuff yourself? Yeah, I do know. That in itself is something new, right? It's mad, yeah. isn't it? I know. So Being your own boss. Yeah, initially I was just I was the presenter. Yeah, you were the higher talent. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, got on a stick. <laughs> <laughs> I would just turn up for the, you know, the, the filming period. Mm-hmm. But now I sort of recce the areas and I find the contributors. And wow. I'm a bit more involved in the edit. Yeah, um, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, I think yeah. you have to because I'm under no illusion that you can't take for granted that you're going to be on telly forever. It's true. Mm. So you got to get stuck in. I'll pay that mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and also support other members of the family to move Completely. up. It's all of those things mm. that actually what social mobility does is it's not just the person, it's all the people that are associated Absolutely. with the person and those that can see that story and hope for it for themselves. You know what's lovely as well is I have younger girls now who are just coming through who are starting on BBC Three for example and they you know it's so exciting they'll message me our stays would it be able you know Mm. can we have a cuppa can I pick your brains about X, Y and Z and I just think yes you can. Yes you can. Um, It's really important to share your experiences isn't it? I love that. Yeah. Good. It's Mm. so funny now there's like a, a new generation of of TV talent and they call me Auntie June oh, like, you're like easy kids I'm like sister <laughs> yeah big sister big sister auntie I'm like hmm is this a compliment but no I love it <laughs> so what about you Evan? Uh, mentors yeah loads um, oh god I've had to, loads I, well, that I, first person oh Jenny Washtrak she's a lady who passed away uh, maybe four or five years ago but she mentored me through on being a bratty kid um, but she could see all the challenges you know my mum was coming to cricket with a trolley when everyone else was you know rocking up in their nice cars with their family yeah and so she could see all that but she said she never questioned but she always just supported me she got me scholarships that sort of stuff so i think oh. having someone in your, yeah your camp like that from you know from uh, she was the first person i met through mm. to my whole career they're the unsung heroes they they're are the unsung yeah, heroes they, really they don't really get are. yeah and they don't get you know but they take just joy out of, of your success of your success yeah. so she was my first and then through my journey had so many moving into the media there's a guy called Adam Mountford he was the first person to put women on like the BBC radio test match special program which has been going 60 odd years mm-hmm. it's one of the most sports most um, sort of well listened to, to program yeah. globally yeah globally yeah. it's a massive program and he what was so nice about him as well is like he never was like, oh, we need women or anything like that. He was like, I'm choosing the best people for the job. Yeah. And I think mm. you, there was a lady called Alison Mitchell before us. Uh, he was just like, you guys, we believe, are, are good enough. Mm. Um, and he always just gave you that platform, but also reinforced, you're here because I believe mm-hmm. you can do it. So he was my kind of media. But one thing I would say about mentors and stuff is like, I don't know if you need... Uh, like one person to be your kind of champion but you've got to go out and find people that yeah. resonate with your message mm-hmm. um, you know I think your your circle is so powerful mm-hmm. for inspiring you I've got some best mates who you know they might not solve your problem but they'll sit down and listen and help you mm-hmm. work through it so mentors can be in so many different shapes and forms I would not be able to do anything without a good network around totally. yeah I, I think people make me who I am and I hopefully try and do that with others with so I, I think that's the most one of the most important things in success is your environment the people totally. around you what else you need people that are going to remind you that you are not saving humanity mm. you know people yeah. that just keep you grounded yeah. it's like <laughs> make the tea yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I think that's that's really really necessary because you know especially like sports mm. and telly and media yeah. you know it can feel quite fancy yeah. and, and like, then you're being celebrated and all of that yeah keep you real Totally. Yeah, so, so, yes. Yeah, yeah. I have one more question before we wrap up. Sadly, we're coming to the end of this. Mm-hmm. It's flying. It's flying. Girls. Having too much fun with you both. <laughs> um, 
Which is about teamwork, because I think both of you have really um, interesting examples of teamwork. So for you, you are actually playing alongside mm. women mm. and you have to figure out how to collaborate mm. and work in a way that is supportive of one another for that ultimate goal, right? Mm -hmm. So what is that? And then obviously with you, Stacey, if your team isn't in sync, like I said, yeah. life or death. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, this is real. So, Ebony, do you want to Yeah, so there's a few things I'll say about it. And one, um, I don't want to use the word, but it's hard work. It's hard yeah. work getting a lot of people to get on the same page. We're humans and we're all a bit... Yeah. Uh, personalities. Wild. Yeah, personalities. Yeah. But I think the key thing for me in teams of that gets it right is that everybody has a strength that has a chance to shine. So if you look at a cricket team, for example, um, there's so many different, you know, you've got a bowler, you've got a batter, you've got a spin, but you've got so many different types. If everybody in that environment is able to show their skills like and, and bring the best of them to the party, everyone's naturally going to just be happier. Uh -uh. And I think sometimes, you know, I go, especially when I go into the business environment, I see people who have skill sets that are not being used. And I think, what? The? what? Well, yeah. this would never happen in sport you would never put someone who doesn't happen in the wrong place yes. you just because you're not going to win you're like you just don't win. get it so for me it's number one what is what does everyone want to bring to the party what are they good at how have they got a chance to to shine and then the other is be curious about other people like mm. i love learning about other people i do so much stuff around mindset psychology and i just i love humans i think we're fascinating i think if you don't have an environment where people care about each other have empathy try and understand mm. it, it doesn't work so if you've got those two things working um, and and they're in unison. I think I think you're kind of set for a winning mm. formula, and and then people get through the tricky times and the yeah. conversations. Um, but you've got to be curious about people, and you have to have a chance to show your skills. I love that, and you know what's also really important about that is you understand people's value. Mm. In that, if you're mm. looking at a way of bringing out the best mm -hmm. in each individual, nobody's sitting there thinking, "Oh, well, why is that person mm. there?" You know exactly what they're there to contribute. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Actually, businesses just need to replicate. I think sports teams. I, I think businesses sorted it. Yeah, it. Yeah. Honestly, Any entrepreneurs, <laughs> go and learn a bit about sport. It's true, honestly. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I suppose I sort of echo what Ebony's saying. Yeah. When I'm on location, I think it's really important to prioritise my team's feelings. Hmm. Um, I think it's really important to be kind, fundamentally. How I about think. that? Yeah, yeah, you know, just be sort of, a, make sure there's always a basic level of respect in the room or, you know on location because I think that's when people start to sort of feel unwanted or um for example yeah for example like me and jo this is a good example so me and Josh there's a guy I work with Josh he's a total angel he's like my brother now he's mm. my director and I'm the presenter and he'll be shooting and we just came back from the pharaohs so we made a documentary looking at um whaling mm. so the certain countries um handful of countries in the world where you can still legally kill whales to oh, consume them yeah. and it was very sort of emotive and you know we're talking about things like sort of cultural imperialism you know they've been doing this for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years and you know western people are coming over and saying oh this is barbaric yeah. you know you shouldn't be doing this you know and there's sort of legitimate concerns but we had done this uh, interview from an animal activist representative and she was saying you know I just think it's a disgrace and there's no place for it in 2019 xyz and I sort of understood where she was coming from and Josh thought she came across in a completely different way and so we stopped filming and Josh and I were saying, and he was saying, you know, we didn't talk about this and we didn't talk about that. And I was like, oh my God, I totally disagree. Like, mm -hmm. I think we got the tone right. And da, da, da. But actually, 
he is so brilliant at what he does and I do make mistakes and maybe I got it wrong in that instance. Mm. And I think it's just about being calm and rational. And that mutual respect. Yeah, yeah. and I think you get that when you feel like you haven't got anything to prove mm. um, and you know your worth. So I think it's, and also just very, you know, I think sometimes in telly it can get quite hysterical mm. and quite heated mm-hmm. and... I think just taking a moment and recognising that you couldn't do what you're doing without your team. Yeah. Um, And compromise as well, you know. Sometimes you have to compromise. You're not all going to be thinking the same. You're not always on the same page. And you're not all going to get what you want. Very true. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. compromise. But I think that thing you just said about ego, though, in teams is is vital. Mm. It's parking it, isn't it? And And me, everyone. Yeah, I was going to say, I definitely have one. You know, sometimes you want to be, and then you're like, okay, calm down. Like, you have to talk (laughs) to yourself or someone has to level you as well. Um, So putting that ego away in heated moments, that's the only way it's going to work. Yeah. I love it. Well, Sadly, we have come to the end of our fantastic conversation. I have one question to ask before we finish, which is a question that we're asking everybody uh, that comes on the series, which is who is your champion? If you could pick one person or one person's story that has inspired you to believe in yourself, who would you pick? Can we go like celebrity type person? That's what I mean. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oprah Winfrey. Oh, my God, I love that. I'm sure everyone does. (laughs) But I I, I think it's just so much. One, from like her, you know, we know she came from a tough background. But it's how she owns herself now and what she met and like setting up her network. She's just going for domination. (laughs) But when you see her talk. World domination. World domination. But she just talks from a place of like inner confidence but yeah. she's also it's not so b- deep what about you know you, why Stacey? everyone loves Oprah it's because she's so unapologetic yes. herself she is and she talks about serious stuff but she's not too earnest I know 100%. Like, the balance yeah. she's got is so spot on it's so spot on but who do I love do you know I love she's probably less recognisable than Oprah Winfrey yeah. <laughs> Go on. but it's the lady I touched on earlier um, Orla Gurin so she oh, I don't know if you know no, her she does a lot for like news at 10 and stuff like okay. that but she just covers all of the stories that I'm really interested in that I don't think get enough airtime. Mm. She's always in Yemen. Mm. Like, there's a real hunger crisis at the minute. You know, people are starving to death. And Do you know her personally? I know. Uh, I've met her once. Do briefly. we need to arrange we need that? To sort this Do you know, out. I really, I really, really love her. And like, she's always in like the IS tunnels in like the Middle East and stuff. She's wow. so brave. But. Um, I did a podcast and I was talking about Orla, 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 Orla. <laughs> and then they had Orla on a couple of weeks after and the lad was saying, oh, you know, we had Stacey Dooley on it, whatever, saying, oh, she just loves you. And she said, I can't do an Irish accent. She's Irish. And she was like, well, Stacey, right back at you. Oh. And you know, I just was Mate, so well, I think I think we need to facilitate uh, a meeting yeah, with you and Orla. I'll be so cringe. You know when you meet people and you just... You, you're totally incapable of behaving yeah. normally. You've become geek. Uh, yeah. I mean, I felt like that when I walked in this morning, ladies. But oh, don't oh, Well, it's yeah. been so much fun. Thank you both for what you do. Thank and thank you. you for being examples of what's possible because it really matters. So uh, thank you. And, and to any of you out there that are dealing with imposter syndrome, as you've heard from this conversation here, even the women who are doing extraordinary things still grapple with it every day. I don't know any successful person that hasn't had those doubts. I agree. Yeah. Thank you. Sadly, that's it for this episode, but find out more about how NatWest supports female-led businesses by searching NatWest Women in Business online.